This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to episode number 40 of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. Joey Parisi's not here. And he might not be here for the foreseeable future because we got no baseball. And why do we not have baseball? Well, a couple of idiots that run the damn league are, you know, kind of the problem here. And we're going to dive very deep into that over the next hour or so. And then we're going to talk a little football at the end of the episode. So I hope everybody is having a great day. I'm happy to be here. Even though there's no baseball in this league, pisses me the hell off in ways that nobody can understand. Like, I can't even do my job right. I can't do my show right. I can't write my articles right. This sucks. We need baseball back. And with all the bullshit that's going on in the world, it's just so annoying that this is the way that the negotiation had to go and we got to cancel one of the actual great things we have left in this country and world, and that's sports. And one of the great sports of them all is just pissing everybody off. So in order to talk about that. I don't think I could have asked anybody better to come and chime in a little bit here. Someone who's so knowledgeable about just sports in general and, of course, creating this great thing that we all know and love called the Barroom Network. Of course, we're talking about Aldo Gandia. Aldo, welcome to the show, my friend. Always a pleasure talking sports with you and our most knowledgeable uh, Chicago sports guys uh, writing. Your your stuff on Fansided is fantastic. If you're not following Vinny Parisi on Twitter, you really should. That way you can uh, catch his opinions on in print or, or, or blogging, however you want to put it. Um, he expresses them eloquently, and uh, now I get the opportunity to uh, discuss things with you. And this is a hot topic, man. This is something that is burning in my soul because – this is something baseball has done repeatedly to me. In my decades of watching the sport, they have always played around with taking it away from us fans. And then whenever they want, they lollygag to giving it back. And so many times have I thought about just turning my back on baseball because of the conduct by the, the players' union and the owners, because I think they are both to blame. But I think that what we're going to hear today, particularly from you, is that there is a certain baseball commissioner who is not pulling his weight with this. And, in fact, he's got kind of a history of it, doesn't he? Yeah, Rob Manfred, he's a complete clown show. I think I'm going to go to barstoolsports.com and buy one of those uh, clown T-shirts with his face on it. And I'm going to wear it on this show. It's got, like, the big red nose. We hate that guy. <laughs> And one one thing I do know to be certain is that a couple days ago, February 28th, they were supposed to have the deadline. Okay, if we don't have a deal by midnight Eastern, 
which because because they were in Jupiter, Florida with their uh, negotiation. So it was Eastern time zone. If we don't have a deal done by midnight, we're going to start canceling regular season games. And then as we saw all on Twitter late, pretty late on, I, I can't even remember what day of the week it was. I think it was Sunday night, February 28th. And then, or it was, maybe it was Monday. And just late at night, the stuff is going on and Bob Nightingale is just tweeting all over the place. There's progress. You know, this is starting to be agreed upon. We're going to have a deal before the night is over. We're going to have baseball. And then around 2 p.m., it was like, okay, it's actually really late. So we're all going to go get some sleep and then start renegotiating right back again in the morning. And we're going to extend the deadline from midnight to 5 p.m. on March 1st. And then 5 p.m. on March 1st comes. Commissioner Manfred gets on his little uh, stage there and announces that the first two series of the 2022 Major League Baseball season have been canceled. And the 162-game season can now only be a max of 156-game season. So I ask you, do you think that the owners were pushing a bunch of bullshit knowledge to Bob Nightingale to tweet out and make it look like they were getting close, and then on Monday knew that they'd be able to turn around and make it look like it was the players' fault that the deal didn't get done. Yeah, you know, I've, uh, I have to speculate on that, of course, because I don't have any insider knowledge on it. But given the behavior by the player by the uh, Major League Baseball owners, I would say absolutely. I mean, these guys are conniving people. The easiest way to settle this is to open your books, Major League Baseball owners. Let us see exactly how much money you're making. Because Rob Manfred claims that, well, we've losing all this money and so forth. And so how can we do this and how can we do that? Well, let us see the books. Let the players union see the books. Let the people involved in the negotiations see the book. Because there are reports after reports that Major League Baseball has expanded their val uh, volume high, uh, much higher than the stock market, than the uh, Dow Jones average or any of those uh, uh, financial organizations. And so the money is coming in. And there was a blip, of course, with the pandemic, but things are back to normal. There's a new baseball contract coming up in 2022. There are other sources of revenue growing and growing and growing. And it just seems like the owners want to hoard all of this revenue. And that is what is the most upsetting about it. If you're not going to be transparent about this, then you, then we need to point the a finger at you. Now, there are some issues that the union has clearly done wrong. They've given up too much in the past, and, and now they're trying to get certain things back. And that's on them. You know, a lot of times in negotiations, when you give something away, say goodbye to it because you're probably never going to get it back. Or if you do, it's going to take a long time. And so the union is, is guilty of that. So I I just, uh, uh, you know, back to the Major League Baseball owners perhaps planting this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, let me play for you a soundbite. Um, this is uh, uh, Manfred talking about answering the question, could you have done anything different if looking back on the uh, several months, what's it been, five months of non-negotiation? And so this was Rob Manfred's response. You know, we did take a stab. At some early negotiations um, throughout the five-year period, um, there was a lot of rhetoric about dissatisfaction with the deal that they made. Um, a lot of the rhetoric was negative with respect to clubs, the commissioner's office, me. Um, you know, that environment someone else created, um, and it's an environment in which it's tough to build bridges.
<laughs> they were calling me names. <laughs> it's like, what a baby this guy is. It's, it's, it's so uh, counterproductive when he does something like that. And he, he talks about the, the tough environment that the union has, uh, has, has created. And now listen to the response by the uh, head of the baseball players union, He's a little, you know, he's a little bit more uh, authentic in his response. Uh, this is him on um, uh, if you would have done anything differently. Being done differently other than being available and making sure that the concerns that we had and the, the, the adjustments that we were looking to make were on the table as early as humanly possible to give us as much time to work through them. Yeah, I wouldn't have changed any of that. You got to respect that, Vinny. You got to respect that. They were there. There you want. Let's negotiate, you know. And then one other thing, if I can uh, 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 monopolize this segment of the show. Yeah, yeah. He he is asked, um, uh, Clark is asked about the lockout. And, and this was interesting what he said here. That players seek and deserve nothing more than fundamental fairness. Players want to play. We, we all know that. But the reason we're not playing is simple. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. Let me repeat that. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. In a $10 billion industry, the owners have made a conscious decision to use this weapon against the greatest asset they have, the players. But the group won't be intimidated. I've seen more unity over the last few years than at any time in our recent history. Why call in a lockout? Why call? They can easily take that lockout off and say, everybody the spring training, let's, let's play baseball while we continue to negotiate. But no, they're playing hardball in a way that makes it more difficult to negotiate. And they're trying to pin, they're trying to, you know, I don't, I hate to use this reference, but they're basically putting a knee to somebody's neck, the players union's neck and saying, you're going to do it our way or not. And I, I, I hate if I, I, I apologize if I've offended anybody by using that analogy, but that's essentially what, uh, the baseball uh, owners are doing to the players union get back in there lift this lockout start playing baseball and continue to negotiate with good faith uh, as the season goes on and it seems like that's all the players have wanted from the beginning i mean how many times have they said we would be happy to negotiate clark seems interested in negotiating no matter what as long as the games are being played it's a hardball tactic to not lock them out and keep games from being played because really the people that it hurts the most are the players that are really trying to get something out of the new negotiations anyway and that's the guys who aren't the max scherzers or the bryce harpers or the manny machados who are making 300 plus million over the course of the next 10 years it's the guys making minimum wage baseball salary. I know to guys like us, like minimum wage MLB salary, that sounds nice. I would love to have that. But when it's a 10, if I was in a $10 billion industry and that's all I was getting, I would be extremely annoyed. And so would any rational person listening to this, it's not greed. It's what's fair. What's greed is the owners trying to hoard it all and not telling anybody what's going on here. And some of the things that really make me angry too, is what I alluded to earlier with the Bob Nightingale stuff. Bob Nightingale leaked early that Tony LaRusso was going to be the manager of the Chicago White Sox. Nobody else in the world had that. It was like no, there, no passing. Passing didn't have it. Rosendahl, the guy, uh, our guy, Robert Murray. None of these guys knew that this was a thing. People almost didn't believe it because it just sounded so ridiculous. And then it actually mm -hmm. happened. Well, that's because Nightingale has 
a path to ownership. Okay. He has that connection. And so to me, a guy who's historically connected to the owners, I, yes, it is speculation. We don't have any hard facts that this was going on, but it's just a disgrace. I cannot believe we are here on March uh, 3rd and there's no spring training. The season is supposed to start in less than 20 or less than 30 days. Now it's not going to, and they're negotiating in New York today. It came out, the negotiations ended and there was no formal proposal from either side to the other. And there's no rumor on when they're going to get together again. So everything that you heard from those two sound bites there, it, it's just not a good look for the league. And there's even things more involved here than money. Well, it, it all comes down to money in the end, but it's like, how is this money distributed? And of course the competitive balance tax, although otherwise known as the luxury tax to the, you know, the casual fan teams don't want to stink anymore. And players, or I guess I should say players don't want teams that they're playing on to stink anymore by design. It's, it's okay to rebuild. It's okay to, you know, sell off your Chris Sales for Yoan Moncada and Michael Kopech and start a true rebuild. There's nothing wrong with that. But then when you get to that level, White Sox, you got to sign Yasmani Grandal. You got to sign Dallas Keiko. Hopefully another big one's coming. Other teams don't do that. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A's, they don't supply their teams – with the big money contracts and, you know, a free agent or two to help get them over the edge. And then they start rebuilding again. And the, if you're a player on the Baltimore Orioles and you're going into year seven of being a horrid team because they just refuse to spend any money. Like there's no, there's no uh, floor. There's no salary floor for mm -hmm. any team in the league. So they, they can spend as much on their entire roster as the Cubs are spending on Jason Hayward, who stinks. <laughs> so it it's just a it's a horrid way and you know the White Sox they've never given out a hundred thousand or a hundred million dollar contract in the history of their franchise they're one of only four teams who have done it yet they play in Chicago and even the Cubs act like a mid market team from time to time Hayward and Lester were outliers it was breaking news history that the Cubs did something like that and they haven't really done anything since they traded you Darvish for now the prospects are starting to look pretty good but at the time it was like a, they, they traded him for a bag of baseballs mm -hmm. so. It's it's so many things, and they, they just can't negotiate in good faith, and it grinds my gears, and I blame it all on Rob Manfred. He is – he's just a snake. I have no other word for him other than a snake or a clown. He's just ridiculous. I hate him. Well, and, and you bring up an interesting point. You know, the reputation uh, that he has developed over the years is horrible. I mean, there has been multiple scan scandals. He's been, what, the commissioner for five or six years. And during yeah. that period, there's been all sorts of things like the Astros cheating and him not – imposing stiff penalties on the Astros, like taking away the World Series championship. And then when he was discussing that whole thing, he kind of non uh, with, you know, kiddingly said, you know, the, the, the trophy is just a piece of metal offending players who work so hard to get that piece of metal, Rob Manfred. There's been other issues like uh, his uh, rules or changes to the game to uh, increase the pace of player that have not worked at all. In fact, the pace of play has slowed uh, the whole issue with different baseballs uh, from week to week and month to month. There have been changes in the baseball that have that have uh, impacted the play. There's not uniformity with the baseball, the key thing in the game. So there's, there's a list of things that he has done wrong and has been, 
attacked by players, the media, and even some of the owners have been upset with the way he handles things. So this guy has a terrible reputation. So now he is the voice of the negotiations. And players are publicly uh, blowing up at him, calling him all sorts of names on social media. And I don't condone that, that they shouldn't do that. But it's an example of where things are, how toxic things are. And for those of us who are old enough, we remember back to uh, 1990 when I think it was the last lockout or there was a, a, a player play stoppage. And Faye Vincent, who was a, a relatively new commissioner, he knew that he did not have the trust of the players' union. So he brought in somebody else to negotiate that the players' union representatives had a lot of respect for. And he let them negotiate. They went into a room, and two or three hours later, they had a handshake agreement, and then it was uh, uh, all uh, everything was finalized over the next few days, and that was handled. That's what Rob Manfred should do now. He needs to step aside and stop being the face of Major League Baseball and the owners because he's a toxic personality. Personality, And by all accounts, he's just so ineffective at what he does that, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult for anything to happen. And, and Vinny, I'm scared that there may not be baseball until midsummer because the players union is is digging in. They they feel very strongly that some of these rules like the competitive balance tax and the revenue sharing are, are hurting their pocketbook. And in fact, the data is there. Player salaries have gone down over the last several years. And as you talked about with the competitive uh, balance tax, um, uh, these teams that get revenue from from the luxury tax uh, being uh, being uh, uh, surpassed, uh, uh, the revenue sharing that is given to low mar- small market uh, teams, those small market teams are not spending the money on players, just like you said. And so they want to continue. They being the owners, they want to continue this way of operating business, and it's the players who are the game. Without the players, we don't have anything. You know, it's not like. Uh, you know, at, at, at McDonald's, if the workers go on strike, it's not like, you know, there might there'll be ways to bring in other employees to serve your food or automate stuff where more machines are involved in the making of, of food. In baseball, you can't have that. You're not going to you're not going to have robot baseball players and that's never going to happen. They are the game and they need, need the respect and they need fair compensation for what they do, because, hey. Uh, I don't have to tell you, I can never play the game of baseball. If I devoted 100 hours a week, I could not play at that level of Major League Baseball. So these guys do something that very few people in the entire world can do, and they should be compensated accordingly. Absolutely. And you talk about Rob Manfred being just a terrible commissioner. You named a couple of things. I tweeted a couple of days ago, reasons Rob Manfred should be fired. Number one, Astros cheating scandal. He gave them a slap on the wrist for using technology, not gamesmanship, not a guy on second base looking at the catcher, technology, cameras, trash cans, to steal signs, and then won the World Series because they were so successful with it. Because in sports, even if you give yourself a 1% advantage, you're going to succeed because the games are that hard. Okay, he gave them a slap on the wrist for that. Didn't take away the rings, didn't remove the banner, anything. Okay, then... In response to that, he called the World Series trophy, as you mentioned, a piece of metal. Do you know how hard it is to win the World Series, Rob Manfred, you idiot? These players worked their whole life to do this shit. 
and you're just diminishing it. Like, what kind of commissioner are you? Talk, say what you want about Bud Selig with the steroid era and all that. That guy loved baseball, and it was called the Commissioner's Trophy with pride. But now it's called the Commissioner's Trophy in spite of this asshole commissioner. Okay, number three, COVID-19 happens. Okay, that's tough. It, you, it's really hard to deal with. You don't want anyone getting sick. You don't want anyone dying. Okay, I get it. You have to take a little break. You got to delay spring training in the season. But then by late June of that year, it was just so obvious that it had nothing to do with COVID anymore. It was all about what we're dealing with right now and revenue sharing and luxury tax and, you know, all that sort of stuff. The rules, the second runner on second base, the DH across both leagues, the expanded playoffs to make up for the lost revenue from the first couple months of the season with no fans in the stand the rest of the way and all that kind of stuff. It went way too long. It was basically a mini lockout. And people are forgetting that it was a lockout in 2020 until they got things back going in late July. I think it was July 29th that that season started. And they only played 60 games. And then, of course, two years later, here we are in 2022, and we're in a lockout again. And, you know, number five I have written down in this tweet was from a a clip from that press conference that Rob Manford gave a couple days ago where he's up there laughing. Yes. You're having a good time right now, Rob Manfred? Are you fucking shitting me? This should be a horrid time for you. You look like a fool, and you should be embarrassed and ashamed of yourself. And I'm done with this, man. And I know I've heard from pretty connected sources here that our guy, Jerry Reinsdorf, and Rob Manfred do not get along. In 1994, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, I wasn't born yet. I'm not trying to make anyone feel old, but I wasn't born yet in the lockout of 94. I would probably hate Jerry Reinsdorf's guts. If I was alive, I, I still kind of don't like him, but not as much as the older baseball or White Sox fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he was almost a, the biggest issue in that lockout negotiation. And his team was in first place and had a legit chance to win the AL pennant. You know, that kind of does piss me off. But then again, I wouldn't have seen it anyway, so I don't care. Right. But here in 2022, he's has nothing to do with it. He probably is one of the guys voting in favor of some of this stuff. And it just is weird to me that we haven't heard anything from him, even though his mouthpiece, Bob Nightingale, some of the one breaking the news earlier. So are you surprised at all to not hear anything from Jerry Reinsdorf at all? The White Sox seem to have basically nothing going on here. And even Tom Ricketts to get to the other side of town, who I think he's a top 10 richest owner in the MLB. So I, I don't know. It just seems like the Chicago guys aren't as influencing on this as they were in the 90s. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Have we heard from any of the baseball owners? Because typically what happens during these negotiations is that they are told by the commissioner, let me do all of the public relations stuff. Let me answer all the questions. That way there is a uniformed message going out. And so basically, you know, they're told not to say anything. So I, I don't know if, if I've heard from any of the baseball owners. But I, you know, frankly, I'm not surprised that uh, Reinsdorf might be uh, – upset with Manfred. There's just this growing tidal wave against him. He has become a toxic individual, and um, we may not see any progress at all or any substantial progress until uh, he is gone or or at least takes a backseat to some of the negotiations. Now, Clark did say he was asked, has there been any progress? We have work to do. Uh, The time here has been productive. from the standpoint of, of having, again, conversations and dialogue that could have been had uh, sooner. Uh, 
and I say that uh, not because the, the issues aren't challenging. I say that because we've been committed to having those conversations since day Since day one. I apologize for cutting that uh, uh, close there. But um, so, you know, it, it is clear when we're and everyone has some uh, uh, responsibility for why there's not baseball. But the majority of that responsibility lies with the baseball owners and Rob Manfred. It is clear. And it, this is just not my opinion, but it is the opinion on the, of the majority of the media. In preparation for this, I Googled, you know, uh, uh, Manfred is is right. Manfred has legitimate points. I googled all that stuff to see if I can find somebody in the baseball media who has that point of view. Zippo, Zippo. Everything that would come up is Manfred uh, was inauthentic in his press conference. Manfred didn't mean anything when he said that we were getting closer. Manfred, blah blah blah. All this stuff was against him, and nothing is exciting for him. And so. I got to be in the same boat. And, and you, you listed all the reasons in your uh, Twitter account why he has misstepped during his tenure as commission, commissioner. This could be the biggest step, misstep, because if he's not trying to convince the baseball owners we need to ease back on some of these demands, you know, uh, if he's not trying to convince them that it's bad for their business, then he is making the ultimate mistake there could be, when baseball returns, a lack of interest like we've never seen before. I saw it uh, in the 90s. I, I stepped away from the game. It was McGuire and Sosa that brought me back. And, um, and you know, I, I, we might get there again if this thing isn't resolved in, in, uh, in a fairly quick manner. And it's really sad because baseball is so sweet. I mean, you got the White Sox, who are just this young up-and-coming team. Um, the the Houston Astros, even though they had their little spat, like they've been one of the more entertaining teams. A team in like who cared about the Astros for a long time, and now they're one of the prominent teams. You got guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. just making waves in San Diego. That's all of a sudden a huge baseball town again. The L.A. I've always called a completely overrated sports town, and yet here they are with two teams. One of them has the greatest talent that the sport has ever seen in Shohei Otani, and then Mike Trout, that little guy, might still be the best play all-around player in the whole league. And then the Dodgers are, you know, just outstanding year after year, and they have a great rivalry with the San Francisco Giants. And, you know, I'm thinking about the Crosstown games that go on both in New York and Chicago. Uh, Canada is really starting to grow its love for baseball with how great the Blue Jays have been. I do predict that the Expos are going to be back one day. And you got guys like Juan Soto, who is just unreal, one of the great players in this game. And so they have all this momentum going for them. The Field of Dreams game last year was the highest rated regular season baseball yes. game since 2005. Mm-hmm. And it was a magnificent baseball game. It's not like it was a dud. Like, people were tuning in because it was the Field of Dreams. I understand that. But the fact that the White Sox had the lead the whole game, the Yankees took the lead in the ninth, and then the White Sox won it in the bottom of the ninth, it was like it's outstanding theater. And people are going to be interested. Okay, the next one might be at Guaranteed Great Field or Yankee Stadium, but these two teams are going to put on a show for the next decade because they got stars like Luis Robert and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Tim Anderson. And they just don't care, the league. They don't care. All they care about is their bottom line, and they don't care about the outstanding product that they have the potential to put on the field right now. 
younger kids were starting to get interested in baseball again. And, you know, that makes them want to play it. And I believe that playing baseball helps you grow as a human being and develop your brain and your social skills and your hand-eye coordination. There are just so many great things that come with sports. And it all goes back to the professionals and watching them play on TV, making you want to play it. I know that's how I started. So it's just a shame that this is the way it's been going on right now. And I, it, it's tough. It's really tough as a fan. And Vinny, uh, Manfred was asked in that press conference, uh, what about the other people that this lockout is affecting, the fans and the people who depend uh, uh, on their living with the revenue that's generated during the baseball season, you know, working at the ballpark, uh, T-shirt sales, everything. There's tons and tons of jobs, uh, transportation, all sorts of stuff. What about them? And his response was, they are first and foremost on our mind. Bullshit. Bullshit, because if that was the case, you would end the lockout now so that those people could go back to earning a living and that the fans can go back to talking about baseball as opposed to labor issues. So don't bullshit us with they are on, on, on the top of our mind. That's insulting how stupid that response is, how inauthentic. That's a lie. It is a blatant lie. And um, that's another reason why this guy has to go away is because it, it seems like almost every other thing that he says you can blow holes in it. He's totally, totally inauthentic. And that's not the type of person, first of all, that you want to be the mouthpiece of your organization. And second of all, have such a strong role in the negotiations. You just can't have that, man. It pisses me off. It does. You're not going to look me in the eye and tell me that you care about somebody who makes a living doing what they can to help the team off the field. Um, We have a great fellow uh, host here on the Barroom Network, Joe Mandel. His mom works at Guaranteed Great Field. What what is she doing? You know, during the lockout, it you know how is she going to earn a living? I mean, I'm I'm sure it all get taken care of. I I know that, but it it's just so sad for somebody who might not be able to take care of their bills or stuff like that without the league actually playing their games and concessions and you know transportation. It literally hurt a lot of people, even even like me. I know like people don't care about me, but like I can't do my job properly as long as they're not playing. There are so many people just affected by this, and it's going to be hard now. I think there's something going on right now. There are a couple things going on in the world right now that are going to make people just not care. I've seen it on Twitter a bunch. How can you care about millionaires and billionaires arguing over – uh, rules of a, a children's game and money interests in a children's game when you got a war going on overseas and people are dying because of that and millions and millions of people have died because of a global pandemic and others have had their lives affected because of that and losing jobs and businesses and you know social justice type stuff people getting killed because of the color of their skin and I'm supposed to like take deep sympathy for these billionaires who just are mad that they're not becoming even more billion or making more billions of dollars. No, it's going to be really hard to get people like that back in. You know, I'm a diehard. I'll go back to the White Sox probably no matter what. It's sad that I feel that way. It's just something I truly love. But you're not going to tell me. I went to both playoff games at Guaranteed Rate Field this past season. It had been my first time ever going to a Major League Baseball playoff game, and that's largely because I'm not a Cubs fan, and 
the White Sox hadn't made the playoffs with fans since 2008. I was like 10. So I know how much I spent during that week that the White Sox were in the postseason at home. It was north of $700. That's just me sitting in kind of bad seats. I had sat in the 100 level close to the field all regular season long, and then come playoff time, the diehard has to sit up in the top bleachers because the tickets are that expensive. Okay, that's fine. I understand. You know, when you make the playoffs, the tickets are going to be expensive. But even sitting that high in the first round between the White Sox and the Astros, it's going to be that expensive. Now imagine if I was a Boston Red Sox fan sitting lower level at Fenway Park in the ALCS. How much are those tickets running? It's just so obvious to me that the league is making so much money and the Yankees have their TV deal with Yes and the Cubs have their TV deal with the Marquee Network and Fox plays billions for the league and TBS pays billions for the league. It is just disgusting to me that they can't at minimum get the game on the field and continue negotiations while playing. It's the easiest thing in the world. And they just, they're giving all of us a big F you. They're saying Aldo F you, Vinny F you. It's just disgusting. I hate it. Well, and that's very eloquent what you said, you know, about all the other issues that are going on around the world and so forth. And PZ said exactly, Vinny. You know, this is why baseball is important because we need that escapism. Listen, you know, I have during the course of the day, I have it on the news channels. I try to stay abreast of what's happening in the world as a citizen. You want to know and you want to have an, an informed opinion and so forth. And then my wife and I, you know, she joins me in watching this stuff. We just get dejected about it. So where do we go? to lift our spirits well we go to family we'll watch a movie but also sports sports and in the summertime it's baseball and she's not a huge huge fan of baseball you know but she likes the game she played the game she played softball and she was a damn good player and so when we go to a game she has the time of her life you know and so we need that we need that so that we're not thinking about the war in ukraine so that we're not so we take some time away from thinking about the war in ukraine we take some time to to stop thinking about the racial injustices that we take some time to to stop thinking about our 401k's and one we can retire and all this stuff there's so many issues going on in the world that impact us and that bring us down it's going to a ball game that helps us feel a little bit better about ourselves it's talking to to Vinny about who the best player on the White Sox is and what are their chances of winning the division and so forth. It's all of that stuff. It, baseball and the other sports builds a community. You know, every time there's been a tragedy in this country, how impactful has baseball been to bring us back after 9-1-1? Everyone that hated the Yankees loved the Yankees, at least for a day or a week or whatever. And that's why it's important to us. And so these rich cat millionaires and billionaires, who primarily the billionaires, because the millionaires, as I've said, these guys deserve their fair share of money. Um, but it's the, the billionaires, the people who have locked out the be- baseball players from doing their job and giving us that 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 that, that uh, medicine that we need. You know, they're the ones that are destroying this for us and making us sicker and making us worried more about what's going on. They need to step up. Think about this. And maybe it's time that, you know, people say, well, why would Congress get involved? They got so many other things to fix because of the reasons that I just mentioned. 
because it's a tonic against bad news. And we need that in these days and age, age when we're, we're approaching the, a, a cold war with the Russians and Putin is saying he's got his finger on the button and, and crap like that. Come on, man. Let's get this thing together. Let's let's do this for the country. Let's do this for the fans. Let's let, let's fix this. God damn it, man. And it's okay. I think some people struggle with admitting that it's okay to use sports or whatever it is you like to do for fun to just get away. It doesn't make it important. It doesn't mean you're, you don't care about what's going on in the world with, you know, any of the other issues we've talked about as, you know, real problems, but it's okay to want baseball back so you can feel better about being a human and feel better about living. It, you know, it's okay to want to be entertained and not just sit there sulking in the bad parts of being a human. You know, because some of the good parts about being a human and living this life is that we get to share things we like with other people. And base baseball is one of those things for a lot of people. I love it. It was my first love. I know I'm known as the hockey guy around these parts and rightfully so. I'm obsessed with it. But my first love was baseball. That's the only sport I played in an organized level. And it was some of the best times of my life. And, you know, I wasn't good enough to become a major league or anything. That's why I have a microphone instead of a bat because, you know, my, the best part of my game was me using my mouth. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's just so disgusting the way that it's happened. And I'll be a sucker that goes right back. I told Joey Parisi and Frankie Mueller, who are also hosts here on the Barroom Network, um, I told them I'm not going to go when they come back. I'm going to prove the point. And they both looked at me and the, with a dead straight face, basically at the exact same time. You're a fucking liar. That's You're right. a fucking liar. And <laughs> all they got to do is start singing, take me out to the ball game. We're ready to go. <laughs> it's true. I can smell the helmet nachos and the churros and the grilled onions at Guaranteed Rate Field from here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's just so sad. I wanted to go on March 31st so bad. It's a Thursday. It was going to be against the Minnesota Twins, the big rival. Josh Donaldson and Dylan Cease are going to fight. And, you know, they're going to beat the hell out of each other. And now we're not going to have that. Yeah, and, and it, PG in the sad. chat room says that he ain't gonna, he ain't gonna go. He says that there's only been a handful of games since the lockout in the '90s that that he's gone to, and so he probably won't be going after this lockout. And that is that's sad, you know. Uh, and and it is expensive, as he said in an earlier uh, uh, a chat notice. You know, taking a family of four, holy cow, man. <laughs> and, and, and that's one of the beauties of being a White Sox fan. They don't try to gouge you like over at Wrigley Field. I mean, you know, a beer is still expensive at uh, guaranteed rate. But, uh, man, you can get some good deals on some tickets uh, if you, if you you know, do, do your job and scour around and look for those deals and stuff. Yes, absolutely. And the beer selection, it's expensive there. But at least you got a little bit more of a variety. You know, you got the goose food island. And the drink. Yeah, food and yeah. drink there. Holy cow! Yeah, it's no, it's no it's cow. worth the money there. I think if you if you spend twenty dollars on your meal, you know people are gonna be like mad about it because you could go to McDonald's and spend five, but like a twenty dollar meal at Guaranteed Rate Field, at least you're eating quality food and you're gonna drink a quality beer. It's mm-hmm. not just Miller Light and Bud Light, which I love. Don't get me wrong. No, Nothing wrong with a Bud Light or a good or a Miller Light every every now and then. But if you're into craft or whatever, there's so many great things about about it. And other fields are starting to kind of follow suit. I have noticed that uh, Wrigley Field still has just the traditional hot dog and chicken tenders, which they're fine. They're tasty. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily what I would choose, you know, at a Sox game. 
But when you're there, it's fine. And I, I noticed they have like a stand down behind right field that sells. I can't remember if it was tacos or something like that. But And they let you bring in your own food if it's completely wrapped. But, you know, I agree with PZ's comment here about baseball being a thinkies, thinkies man game or a thinking man's game. People claim people that claim that it is boring are too impatient to appreciate the beauty of the game. I could not agree with that the most. One time I have a friend, shout out my friend, Tyler Harmon. He, I don't know if he's listening. He might be, he lives in Texas. Now he grew up here in Illinois, he went to Texas tech, great baseball fan, great baseball fan, Cubs diehard. I asked him one time, Tyler, what do you say to people who rip on baseball because like at that point in my life I was like heavily influenced by people older and smarter than me I still kind of am because I'm stupid but <laughs> he goes it's a smart people game people who don't like it they you know they need hits or they need you know blood or fighting like in hockey which I love hockey I love fighting I love football I love the big hits I actually think football is a smart man game too hockey and basketball are a little more like um like you need to put the puck in the net. You got to work together to get the puck in the net and defend and, you know, basketball, same thing. You got to shoot the puck, but with baseball and football, it's a little more open than that. There are so many different things that need to go right in order for you to win that baseball game. So, you know, I love it. It's a great game. This isn't a shitting on baseball, shitting on major league baseball. Minor league baseball is going to get its season fully underway. You can head over to southsideshow.com or the windycity.com and you're going to read about the Iowa Cubs and the uh, Charlotte Knights frequently. And then I'll, I'll do double A and single uh, low A and high A as well. Um, you know, depending on, I think the Cubs are a little more fun to cover in terms of low A and high A. Cause you got guys like Ed Howard uh, the Cubs are more fun to cover in the minors in general. Cause you got Ed Howard and he'll be in high A I think this year. And Brennan Davis will start the season in triple A. And then, you know, the White Sox is mostly just triple A ball. And we'll see what happens with Coles and Cespedes, but I don't know. It's not the game of baseball that stinks. It's the league that plays it at the highest level, Major League Baseball, run by that complete clown, Rob Manfred. So I got to uh, ask you, Aldo. Oh, go I, ahead. If I can add just this, you know, one of the, the great things about this show, Crosstown Crosstalk, when you pitched it uh, to me, you said, you know, we're going to talk about the Cubs, we're going to talk about the Sox, but a third of the show also will be related to Major League Baseball so that we can inform fans about what's going on in Pittsburgh, what's going on in, in Los Angeles, what's going on down in Miami, what's going on with the 28 other Major League franchises outside of the two in Chicago. And I was like, I love it. I love it because that's how I grew up. I mean, to this day, I can not only name the lineup for the 69 Cubs, but I can tell you the lineup for the big red machine. I can tell you about, you know, who the, the great players were from the 1970s and 80s when I was a kid and falling in love with the game and falling in love with the science of the game and falling in love with the managerial decisions and the strategy and so forth and falling in love with the heroics of, of players and so forth. I love that. And then over the course of time, I just started following the Chicago teams and not paying as close attention or in some seasons, not any attention to what was going on in the rest of Major League Baseball. And so when this show started last season and you and your brother were talking about what was going on in Major League Baseball, all of a sudden I felt that childlike fever for baseball. I started falling in love with it again. I started like turning on MLB and, and watching games uh, 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 that were on that channel and watching, you know, the Fox broadcast and, and, and ESPN games and so forth much more than I have in the last two, three decades. And so 
that's important, man. That's important. And so the major league baseball owners and, and, and people responsible for this lockout are killing that spirit. You're, you're dousing it. You're, you know, just when I'm starting to fall in love with the entire game of major league baseball and not just being a kind of a casual Chicago baseball fan. Now you're, you're taking that away from me. And, and so that's another reason why I'm, I'm particularly angry with this. Uh, Skyler is in the house. What's he say? <laughs> Rob Clownfred wouldn't keep me from games in the future. Good to hear Skyler. You great great here. Cubs fan, Skyler Reese. Yeah. You know, me, me and him, we, we don't love the, uh, we don't love the same team, but man, we respect each other's baseball knowledge. He is an outstanding baseball fan. And th- you know, that's part of what I love about this show the most. Like me and Joey talked about the NL West. Almost every single week on this show because the Padres and the Dodgers and the Giants were just going at it all season long and the Rockies were outstanding at home but sucked on the road. It was just so much fun to talk about. And I like, okay, I like in all sports when, okay, the Devils play the Rangers tomorrow. Friday night matchup between two the, one of the top ten great rivalries in the NHL. Devils-Rangers, Friday night. I like knowing, I'm a Devils guy, but I like knowing on the other side, okay, I'm going to see Adam Fox. How can the mm-hmm. Devils keep Adam Fox from creating havoc on the D? Or how can they beat Igor Shesterkin, who's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy as the best goalie in the NHL? It helps to know about other teams. Yeah. When the White Sox are coming out of the rebuild and out of nowhere, they're going to sign Yasmani Grandal. It's nice to know without doing any research, just because I'm a fan of the sport in general, Yasmani Grandal, that's a five-war catcher who can – he, he kind of has a low batting average, but he hits three thirty bombs a season and has 70 RBIs, and he's an elite pitch framer. And, you know, it's nice knowing these things coming into things. Even when you follow football and college football, it's like, okay. And then there's the mystery of things, too, like football, NFL, and college football. The Bears, they draft Justin Fields. He's a highly touted prospect, but how did he fall to them at 11? Is he Ohio State has never had a great quarterback in the history without all this knowledge of other teams and teams that you're not particularly a fan of. I don't like Ohio state. I almost root for them to lose every time they play. But when Justin Fields comes out and he's coming to the bears, I'm like, okay, I actually really like this pick. I can't tell you. I watched a single game of North Carolina before Mitchell Trubisky was taken, but I knew he was a highly touted prospect. And my knowledge of college football helped me know that he was going to be one of the top picks in the NFL draft. And him, Mahomes, and Watson were like the three quarterbacks I'm looking at as a Bears fan, knowing that they're probably going to draft the quarterback. But it's also nice to know that, like, okay, the Chiefs are in a market for a quarterback or the Texans were in a market for a quarterback. So we're battling with them for draft position and trades and whatnot. So without all that knowledge, and particularly in baseball too, because there's so many players and so many things need to go right in order to be a successful team. You need a good lineup that produces runs. You need a good starting rotation that can carry you to the middle relief portion of your bullpen that can get you to the closing portion of your bullpen. And just so many things. I had Liam Hendricks on this show. If I didn't follow the Oakland A's, I wouldn't have known who he was three years ago. And if I was just an all Chicago fan and that's it. So bringing in that education about every team with baseball is nice, and I hope I help make people appreciate the sport as a whole, other than just the Cubs and the White Sox. Or if we got, you know, I know we have uh, Don. Is his name Don? He's a Detroit fan. Don Burr. Don Burr. Don Burr. Uh, very good Detroit sports fan. I, mm-hmm. I know we got a couple uh, Yankee fans that listen to the show as a result of, you know, me being kind of known in the New Jersey community. Great Yankee and Mets fans tuning in. Tuning in here. It's nice to know about other teams. Yeah. Because it just helps, and Manfred is killing it. He's making yeah. me doing this show fucking pointless right now. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm still here doing it because I love it. And Rob Manfred, as Skylar Reese said in the chat, Rob, what did he call him? Clownfred? That is freaking hilarious. <laughs> that is- Rob Clownfred wouldn't keep me from games in the future. Same here. Same here. I'm not going to let that moran keep me from enjoying Luis Robert, who doesn't even speak English. He just wants to play baseball. Joan yep. Moncada, Jose Abreu. I'm not letting, you know, whoever the – the Cubs decide to go. If they do expand playoffs, I think the Cubs have a chance at the postseason because I'm not too sure their lineup is going to be producing run after run after run. But uh, Wade Miley, Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, and Advert Alzali is a top seven rotation in the National League. So if they expand, I think they have a chance uh, if they can produce enough runs and then maybe add a bullpen arm or two. But, you know, Manfred just says, oh, screw that. Don't care. Cubs have a chance to surprise people. Don't care. The White Sox have a chance to win the World Series. Don't care. Fernando Tatis, don't care. It's just so annoying. I hate that clown. The clown friend. Yeah. It is It is sad, but I'm glad we got this off our chest because this is almost uh, therapeutic to uh, vent a little bit about what's going on with baseball. I do hope sincerely that they get this thing back going again. I was really looking forward to this baseball season as my knowledge of the game has increased over the last year. Uh, listening to this great show, and I started buying baseball magazines again and, and stuff, and just helping the economy, you know. Uh, and uh, now, uh, you know, I'm faced with the decision well, once they come back, am I going to go back to just being a casual fan and only interested, you know, if something good happens in Chicago? I don't want to be that fan. I want to be the fan that Vinny has outlined for us, a knowledgeable baseball fan of all the franchises, because like Vinny is saying, it makes you appreciate your own team more and it makes you more knowledgeable about your own team it's one of the constant complaints i have about football fans and when they are critical of some of the bears players is that i say well have you seen some of the other position players in the league <laughs> you know I I, I I to a fault i i've defended charles leno at left tackle not that he's a great player but he is an average left tackle in the national football league it is a fact of that because if you've seen some of the other left tackles in pro football you know that uh, he was bad but he wasn't nearly as bad as uh, as some of the other guys on the top the lower tier of, of left tackles. So knowing about the game is so important and you and your brother do such a great job of it. And you've got great guests coming on here. So I can't wait till we get this thing resolved and we can get back to the crosstown classic that you don't need me, my ugly face around you, you guys, uh, your good looking faces can take over and, and, and do the teaching and instructing and, and, and analysis and your opinions are valued. Uh, it's, it's great stuff for, for baseball fans, for the Barroom Network, and I know how passionate you are about this show and Bar Down, uh, so I hope things get resolved real quickly, man. Absolutely, and Skylar complimented my hat. He was yeah. with me when he was with me when Northern Illinois won the MAC title in Detroit a couple months ago. I think the spring game probably should be coming up soon. I know I'm going to have to make my deposit for my season tickets. Extremely excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of football. Let's have a little lighthearted conversation here to end the show before we get out of here. I know I was listening to our good friend speak with you earlier today. I didn't catch it live because I went to bed kind of late last night getting some work done. Yeah, um, I, I woke up a little on the late side and I listened right when I woke up to the Mike North Advantage mm-hmm. here on the Barroom Network. And Mr. North, he <laughs> loves himself some Mitchell Trubisky. And I, I honestly respect it because we all have like – a sports take 
of someone we just fall in love with and like they can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had that a couple times with, you know, hockey players and, you know, certain players doing this and, you know, other people disagree. And there's, there's a couple players like that across all my favorite teams. And one of them in recent memory has been the great Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> of North Carolina University, taken second overall by our Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Uncle Mike is obsessed with really? Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I love when somebody has an opinion and they back it up. He's not just coming on this show going, you're all stupid. I Mitchell Trubisky's elite. You don't know what you're talking about. He yeah. presents facts. Mitch yeah. Trubisky was a winning quarterback in the NFL. What was he? Seven games over 500. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be astonished. Another take of Mike North. I don't think he said it on this show. I think I heard him say it in months prior. It was when Fields was first drafted. I'll be stunned if Justin Fields is 29 and 21 after his first three seasons in the NFL. I will be stunned if that is his record. I hope so, but yeah, you might be right because of the hole that uh, he started in his rookie season. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, I think of someone like Tom Brady, Tom, Mitchell Trubisky and Tom Brady in the same breath is almost <laughs> offensive to me. But, you know, I kind of want to like build a picket sign and start protesting that that, <laughs> that even came out of my mouth. But the fact that Tom Brady wasn't quite as flashy as a Peyton Manning who had a big arm or Aaron Rodgers who introduced like being a mobile quarterback while having a big arm. He was like a mix of Michael Vick and Joe Montana, Mm -hmm. Uh, Russell Wilson running all over the place, making exciting plays. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, what we're seeing him do. Josh Allen, I think is kind of disrespected in today's NFL. I love watching Lamar Jackson play. It'll be interesting to see if he can get over a playoff hump, winning more than one postseason game. But, you know, he's an incredible quarterback, the top 10 talent in the NFL. Tom Brady didn't do any of that. But you know what he did? He won. Yeah. He threw he threw a touchdown to interception rate at 3-1 to one and won seven Super Bowl rings. He went to a 7-9 and nine franchise and magically turned them into a Super Bowl contender. I'm not saying Trubisky is going to do that. The reason I bring up Tom at all is because he won without being as flashy. Trubisky is not flashy. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Herbert. You know, some of the young, great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. But can he win? If you took him off the Buffalo Bills as the backup and plucked him onto that Pittsburgh Steelers team that you and Mike were talking about, can he succeed? I would like to know your take because, let's be honest, Mike North, he did most of the talking. <laughs> there's, 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 there's less room for you to chime in with your opinion. I, I want to hear your take on the Mitchell Trubisky thing. Yeah, on the Mike North advantage, just like the Greg Gabriel uh, talks football, I stay out of the way. People tune into those shows because they want to hear Greg Gabriel. They want to hear Mike North. And so I stay out of the way. I try to give them. Uh, uh, the platform that they deserve yeah. to share. You their- make the pass, and they got a one timer. Yeah, you got, you got <laughs> it, you got it. Listen, I, um, I, I, I was never a fan of Mitch Trubisky being drafted by the Chicago Bears. I didn't see his talents being worthy of being a first round draft pick. Now, in today's NFL, guys that are third round and second round caliber are often drafted in the first round because quarterbacks are so necessary in this league because it's become a passing league and you got to take some chances on some of these guys because there just aren't enough good arms in the in the in the league to 
for 32 teams. They just aren't, you know? And so that's why Mitch has now become one of the most high, highly uh, sought after free agents, free agent quarterbacks, because this year we're going to have four or five quarterbacks drafted in the first round or three or four. And none of them really is, 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 is a plug and play guy. And so Mitch is Mitch because of his experience, because he has outstanding athletic skills. He is a plug and play player. Now the question is, can he see the field better than when he played the Chicago bears? That was the biggest complaint is that he would fade back to, to throw and he would lock in on a receiver. And sometimes when he locked in on a receiver, he still didn't see defenders who were near that receiver and he would throw terrible passes or his confidence uh, lacked. And so he would overthrow because he didn't know whether he should squeeze it in or, um, uh, he had bad mechanics with this left left foot flailing out to the left, and your left foot, when you're right-handed quarterback, that those toes should be pointing at the target that you're throwing to. But he would always, not always, but many times, fail that left uh, left toe out, and that would open up the hip hips and uh, cause some um, some miss uh, inaccurate passes. So, can he? Uh, can you win with Mitch Trubisky? Absolutely. First, you want to try to fix those mechanical problems. Secondly, you want to create an offense that's suitable for his talents. And so that means you got to have an offense where you're going to rely on his feet to pick up first downs. You're going to have – it's very, very like uh, the, the Brian Dable offense that was created for uh, Lamar Jackson – or excuse me, for uh, 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 the quarterback with Buffalo, uh, Allen. And so you need a head coach like that, a head coach that is going to embrace him and listen to him. And, and so when he says, I like to run this, I like to run that, as opposed to Matt Nagy, who it was in his last season here, uh, it was Bill Lazor who was defending Matt Nagy and saying, yeah, Trubisky has not earned that right to tell us what to run. What? What? What kind of a coach says something like that. Even when a, a quarterback is a rookie, that guy has earned the right to share what he likes to do. you got to use your players to their strengths, and that's something the Chicago organization never did. So if Mitch Trubisky signs with Cleveland or signs with the Giants or whoever, I would not at all be surprised if he had a lot of success. Is he ever going to be an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or these elite Hall of Fame quarterbacks? I would bet that there is just no way. But can you win with him like the Ravens did with Trent Delfour? Uh, yeah, you can. You got to build a strong team around him. You got to build an offense that's suitable for his skills, and you got to embrace him. Um, and that's not what happened here in Chicago, and it derailed him. And that's why I'm really happy that both Pace and Nagy are gone, so that Justin Fields doesn't fall into that same trap that Trubisky did. Yes, I sure hope that Justin Fields doesn't even come close to the trajectory of Mitchell Trubisky, but Mike brought up salary mm -hmm. and Mitch might make a lot of money if he signs somewhere to be a starter because huh? people think that he's just going to sign like a year, a deal worth $8 million. The bills will pay him that to be their backup because mm -hmm. Josh Allen is somewhat of a risk in terms of his health. He's not a risk in terms of his talent. You can win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen. I believe that. Mm -hmm. But if Allen gets popped, and Trubisky's right there to come in. That's worth it for Buffalo. That was a nice little safe haven for them last season. And if no team is offering him 20 mil or like the Teddy Bridgewater special, he's not going to leave. 
Why, like, why would he go be a starter? I think Trubisky's a genius for the way he handled how his lack of success in Chicago went. Him and his agent, as Mike North uh, nicely put pointed out, he played his cards the right way for the bad hand that he was dealt of coming to that bum of an organization known as the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, he let Darnold go to the Panthers, and he wasn't good there. And, you know, the Miami Dolphins stuck with Tua Tagovailoa. And the Texans didn't do anything about the fact that Deshaun Watson has 22 allegations against him. It cracked me up, the joke he made about him having more allegations against him than touchdown passes. That really cracked me up. I was like, I can't believe he just said that. It's also, like, really funny. So, you know, Mike North, he's a Mitch guy. He could do no wrong in his eyes. But I believe that if Trubisky goes somewhere as a starter and he stinks, North will go up there and – you know, admit that, okay, he sucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I believe he will. <laughs> right. But I'm not sure that will happen. If he went to, like, Pittsburgh made the postseason with Big Ben Roethlisberger playing like a bum. I love Big Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's mm-hmm. one of the five best quarterbacks of the Tom Brady era, as I call it. You know, for me, it's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and then it's probably Ben Roethlisberger or Russell Wilson, guys like that in the mix. So, you know, but he was just bad last year. He, he couldn't walk. He, he's been on one leg for seemingly 10 years. Mm-hmm. And Mitch, that's an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. And maybe they don't beat the Chiefs in the first round because it's the Chiefs. But also maybe they do. Upsets happen in sports all the time. Right. So, the, the thing to think about with, with the Steelers is they've got a running back, Najee Harris, who can be every bit as good as the running back down with uh, Tennessee, Derrick Henry. And look at what uh, Tennessee has done. They've got into the playoffs. They were eliminated in the first round this year, but they've got the formula to get into the playoffs. And with a little bit of luck, they could go deep into the playoffs, and they, they probably will again. Uh, but the Steelers have – Najee Harris, that running back who can, with his speed and power, can create yards. And they've got a a wide receiver in Chase Claypool, who is a perfect wide receiver for Mitchell Trubisky. He is the Allen Robinson uh, of, of, of Pittsburgh, but with a big, but with more speed. Claypool has more speed than A-Rob. So if Trubisky went to play with Pittsburgh, that would be a combination that for fantasy football fans, you know, uh, you might want to, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, make sure you grab uh, Claypool in the fourth or fifth round because he he could have big numbers with a Mitch Trubisky. Remember, A-Rob uh, with Mitch Trubisky had a what, 98 catch season followed by a 102 catch season, basically averaging 100 receptions over a two-year period. And so uh, that's nothing to sneeze at. And so there, there are scenarios where I could see Mitch Trubisky getting in there, and if you handle him the appropriate way, he can have a lot of success. There's no doubt about it. I agree with you, and you've been watching football longer than me. Has anybody in the last 30 years, besides the New England Patriots, been a better ran organization than the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think you can argue maybe the Seahawks, kind of. Yeah, um, man, that's it's, a good it's hard. question. It's hard. They're, they've a, been up there. Yeah, year after the Baltimore Ravens, I think you'd have to put in the mix. Absolutely, uh, the, for, the 49ers, yes. I think, are in the mix. Yes, um, lately you, know, you can make claims for teams like the Chiefs mm-hmm. and the Bills, but like mm-hmm. last 30 years, they were a joke. 
Absolutely. And you got to, you know, as much as I hate to say this, you got to give some credit to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they have won a lot of division championships, whether it's luck or whatever. I mean, they chose those two quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. They traded actually for for Brett Favre after his rookie season with Atlanta. Um, they they made the trade. They saw something in him. He was wild, and and they but they had the right coach to calm him down and win uh, division championships and get a Super Bowl. And then with Aaron Rodgers, they kept him on the bench for three years as he learned under Favre, and 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 you know they had they played really well. Now has that organization made mistakes? Yes, absolutely. They've made some big mistakes. Drafting Jordan Love, perhaps their biggest of all the mistakes that they've made. But there is no flawless organization, but the one that comes the closest, the one that you mentioned, the New England Patriots. And then after that, it's, it's a whole, the second tier are teams like the ones you mentioned, Seahawks and, and Buffalo and, and, and Bills. And, and we're talking, like you said, with Buffalo, that's just more recent because, yeah, they, they went through some really bad years. What do you think about what Skyler says on the Titans? He says that Tennessee needs an upgrade from Ryan Tannehill because come the playoffs, he's just not the guy. Yeah, I kind of feel bad about it because I like Tannehill. I mean, he does his job the right way, and he feeds Derrick Henry, and he makes his passes to Julio Jones, and I'm um, drawing a blank on the other guy's name, uh, the other superstar receiver they have. It's like uh, a simple name. It's, I'm so stupid for forgetting it. But uh, I they, it. <laughs> um, you know, they're 0-3 in the postseason as a one seed in their history. So it's, it's definitely an argument to be made. I – I think they lost to they lost to the Bengals, right? Who went all the way to the Super Bowl? Correct. You know, sometimes you lose games in the postseason, and if you upgrade from Tannehill, I think you absolutely you have a chance to like go way farther. I think that is something that should be on their mind. Like if Aaron Rodgers became available, hey Aaron, come live in Nashville for a year. You'll love it here. It's a little bit warmer than Green Bay, and we'll give you whatever you want. Yeah. Um, you know, I would certainly consider it if I were uh, Tennessee. I don't think they should get rid of Tannehill just for the sake of getting rid of Tannehill. It has to be a guaranteed upgrade for me to want to get rid of him because you have proven that you can be a one seed or a two seed or even a three seed with him. Yep. It's how far can he take you in the playoffs is Skyler's question. And mm-hmm. that should obviously be explored. If you think you can find somebody who's an upgrade, then yes, I would do it. Yeah, and it's just so hard to find an upgrade because if you do have access to any of these superstar quarterbacks who could hit the market like an Aaron Rodgers, I mean, the guy is asking for $40 million. And so what does that mean? It means that there are some players on your roster you're going to have to say goodbye to to open up that cap space. So, you know, Tannehill, I believe – I'm not a huge fan of Tannehill. To me, he's a lot like Mitchell Trubisky in that he's got certain deficiencies in his game. But I think he's proven that he can win division championships just like uh, uh, Trubisky did in 2018. So, so, so there's that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, people got mad at the Bears for paying Jay Cutler all that money, myself included. He stole that money from the Bears. But who was going to replace him? Right. Mike Lennon, Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, it's been a disaster since Jay left in terms of the quarterback position, and mm-hmm. including Fields. I love Fields. I hope he hits. But – since Jay left, it's been a disaster at quarterback. And I hate Jay. He stunk. Mm. But he was also <laughs> supremely talented. And yes, he, he could win games from time to time. So mm. that's why the Bears paid him that money. People are going to laugh when the Browns pay Baker Mayfield. 
Because mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, he might not be the guy. He was the number one overall pick, and they they suffered this year. He was hurt for a lot of it, but they have a great, great roster, and so that's why I think people are blaming Baker is because they have a top five roster. Their offensive line is outstanding. Their defense is very good, and then they just couldn't you know get it done. That ultimately falls on the quarterback in a lot of people's minds. But unless they find an upgrade, they're paying them. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, Baker Mayfield's going to be under center unless somebody, you know convinces them that oh Trubisky's better than Mayfield I'm not sure that's the case you know I I hope Mike North is right and that Mitch finds a redemption arc and you know has some playoff success maybe even you could win a Super Bowl with him we'll see depending on the team but I don't think he's better than Baker Mayfield I just don't so we'll see what happens with that quarterback is a it's an intriguing position in sports goalies in hockey I think are the closest comparison but year to year goalies can stink or go off like last year, Pittsburgh Penguins goalie Tristan Jari was one of the worst goalies in the NHL. This year, mm. he's going to be top three for the Vesna Trophy. So, mm. like, that fluctuates, I think, a little more from year to year. That's why it's hard to compare to quarterback because you pretty much know what you're going to get from certain quarterbacks in the prime of their career. Next mm. year, Patrick Mahomes is going to come out and throw anywhere from 45 to 55 touchdowns, and he's going to have 10 or less interceptions. I know he went over that this year, but that was because of a bad start. I don't foresee that happening again this year. Lamar Jackson's going to throw for 3,500 yards and rush for another 1,000. Josh Allen, similar statistics to those guys. So it's so important in the NFL. You're nothing without one. Uh, Who are the final four? The 49ers, the uh, Bengals, the Chiefs, and the – Rams. Rams. Oh, the Super Bowl. (laughs) We always forget the Super Bowl. I said I'm an idiot earlier in the show. I stand (laughs) by it. I'm just telling you guys. I'm dumb. Dummy. Three of those four teams had an elite quarterback, and the one that we would consider not elite, Jimmy Garoppolo, is still pretty good. He can help yes. us win games. So exactly. and he's proven it time and time again. Maybe Mike North, I don't know why. I was waiting for him to bring up Jimmy G the entire episode, and it mm-hmm. never came. Because yeah. why can't Mitch be Jimmy G? Yeah. Don't turn the ball over. Try to win a close game against Green Bay. Succeed in doing so. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were going to beat the Rams. I did. I went into that game thinking they were going to beat the Rams. I was wrong. You know, I'm always wrong. Again, stupid. But, <laughs> you know, quarterback is everything, man. It was, close. it was close. I'll tell you that. And Jimmy G is probably the the hot uh, trade candidate. Um, you know, are the 49ers going to start uh, the Trey Lance uh, era in San Francisco, or, or are they going to play it safe? Would you Jimmy G back? I would not trade Jimmy G. I Trey Lance either. is not ready. He needs two years be on the bench. Um, I think that's pretty clear, and they would be foolish. I mean, if they if they got you know an offer that would just blow you away, multiple first round draft picks kind of thing, then you have to think long and hard because. Uh, but you know, uh, right now I would say no. I agree. I agree. And you won with Jimmy. You've been in the title game two of the three years he was there. And I wasn't even like not fully healthy the one year they didn't go. And if it wasn't for a fourth period barrage of point or fourth period, fourth quarter barrage of points by Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl three years ago, they would have won the Super Bowl that year too. Absolutely. So, so yeah. I agree. 
Absolutely. It's going to be a fun uh, NFL season. We know for sure we're going to have an NFL season. The problem is, are we going to have an MLB season? And if so, is it going to start in the middle of summer? And by that time, you know, I'll be so so into books and, and movies and stuff that I may not want to tear myself away uh, to go back to watching baseball. That's the, the critical thing that the a baseball industry is facing they need to save this they need uh more transparency wouldn't it be great wouldn't we all feel better if the owners said listen you know we've opened up our books the players union has taken a look at it they've seen some of the economic challenges we have and so because of that we are now accelerating our progress uh, in the negotiations, and we should have this thing done really quickly. That's what I would most like to hear, as opposed to the rhetoric that's going on, particularly from Manfred. And like you said, the fact that they caught him smiling multiple times uh, during that press conference. There was that one interaction that he had with uh, Ken Rosenthal, who was essentially a guy who's who asked the tough questions, and Manfred was so upset about that that he was suspended for a while, if I recall the story correctly. Rosenthal was was suspended, not because Rosenthal uh, uh, was was incorrect in the question or or phrased it in a way that was disrespectful, not at all. It was just Manfred was offended by the type of question that, that he was asked. That's dictatorial stuff. That's tyranny stuff. And that's where Manfred is, is starting to come off as. And so we need to... Uh, the owners need to hide him or fire him or do something because he is a huge, huge uh, problem right now. Uh, we got a comment here about you. What's it say? Vinny's sticking by his paisan, Jimmy G. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm sticking by a winner. If he stunk, I would say, regardless of his ethnic. I mean, he's not great, but, you know. It is what it is. You you can win with Jimmy G. There you go. Look at that guy with his flag. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it'd be better if the if the Italian was one of the superstar quarterbacks in the NFL. But you know, <laughs> we're all American in the end, I guess. So there you that, go. That's what really counts. There you go. <laughs> so that was our show. You got anything else you got to get off your chest about that complete idiot, Rob Manfred? Before we get out of here. No, but I would like to say uh, that we've got a lot of football next week, uh, and it starts in the morning with Greg Gabriel talking football. Boy, he has been sending me text after text. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. He's got a lot of opinions to share after listening to the press conferences from Iberflus and Ryan Pose, and so he's going to do that at 11. And, of course, he's going to talk about the combine. He is glued to the television set now to watch the workouts, and he's got a particular – eye on the wide receivers and offensive linemen because polls was very particular about the type of player they want playing those positions they want playmakers at the wide receiver position no matter what size they can be tall they can be small whatever they want guys that are explosive players so we'll be looking at the combine who has those explosive numbers and then the offensive linemen they are all going to get lighter and faster and so even the guys from last season who will be retained and playing the offensive line Cody Whitehair, for instance, he's expected to lose 20, 25 pounds because they just want those guys moving quick. Like Ibraflu said, uh, bring your track shoes. So Greg Gable is going to start that off, start that off on Monday, and then at night, draft on tap on a special night. Usually it's on Thursday, but those guys are eager to talk about what they saw at the scouting combine, and so we will be talking football with them Monday night here on the Bar Room Network, and then of course uh, on Tuesday it's me and Dan with our 
kooky, crazy show, and then Bardon Hockey on Wednesday. And if you missed yesterday's show of Bardon Hockey, I urge you to take a look at it. There was just one guy missing, but these guys proved that they can still deliver an outstanding show even without Joey Parisi. <laughs> so that was a great show, guys. Uh, congratulations on that. And so people should be looking for that either on their audio feed, if you subscribe to Barroom Network, or check out the video here on the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. That's what I got. Absolutely. It, it was a great show. I love doing it all. I can't wait to get back on Bar Down. I'm especially excited to watch Draft on Tap. I mean, I watch a majority of the shows. I'm popping in and out, listening on the – the Apple podcast. I know people can also use Spotify, but I'm especially excited for draft on tap because, you know, I'm starting to get ready for my draft season. I'm going to help you some of those guys knowledge to help feed my brain so that I can get my articles out and be accurate with my information. And those are the best guys to, uh, you know, have listened to and help me with that. So, and on Crosstown Crosstalk going forward, we're going to talk about you know, minor league baseball, if major league baseball doesn't come back in a timely manner, Frank Mueller is going to join me next Thursday. And we're going to talk about the video game, MLB The Show. Love it. So very excited about that. Got Shohei Otani on the cover. Very much looking forward to now, that. Now, is that out now? Is that, that MLB? Uh, I the new believe album? it comes out in early April. Okay. But Frank, Frankie will be here to preview what's new about it and talk about, you know, what's going on in the game with how they run things. And I'll also uh, get his insight on what's going on with the lockout. And he's a Cubs fan. So we'll talk about that. You know, I'm pretty sure he roots hard for the Seattle Mariners when they're not playing the Cubs for whatever reason. I think he kind of likes them as that team that almost made it last year and they went on their nice little run. He was rooting hard for them. So he's got a couple teams besides the Cubs that he's interested in cheering for as well as we all do in all sports. So very much looking forward to that. I'm excited. Make sure you're following the Barroom Network on Twitter at Barroom Network. Of course, me at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. And that's all I got today. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Have a good night.